Welcome to Your Financial Planet Podcast with David Valier and the Synergy Capital Solutions team. This is the show that brings you synergistic financial strategies to help you enjoy the fullness of today and empower your next generation. Join us for this journey to help you synergize your finances. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Your Financial Planet. I am your host, David Valier, and a quick shout out to the Synergy team. I've a little bit of time off here over the summer. My wife delivered a beautiful baby girl. And so our Synergy team has definitely been covering for me, and I do appreciate that. So really glad to be back on the air. Today, we're going to talk about our Q4 market update and with our special guest, Eric Nahat. Eric, welcome back to the show. Great to be back. So Eric is always on these market updates, I kind of like to follow the format of of what we've recently seen and then maybe talk about what's ahead. So let's just jump right in there and talk about maybe from an economic standpoint, what what did we see in the third quarter? Sounds good to me. So the third quarter's a bit choppier economic growth compared to previous quarters in the recovery. The Atlanta Fed's tracking estimate for US real GDP in the third quarter has declined to 3.7% annualized. Previous estimates expected growth in, say, the six to six and a half percent range. And that 3.7% is lower than the first half of the year. The big drivers of that drop in expectations are the spread of Delta variant and the supply chain pressures that are persisting through the third quarter and look set to linger for at least several more quarters. The negative side, transportation bottlenecks remain. Energy prices have surged in Europe. Data from China has shown disruptions in recent months. Domestically, we have labor disincentives. Home builders are backed up. Chip shortages affecting autos. Remaining hesitancy with vaccine rollouts and and schools partially closed. So that's on the negative side. On the positive side, U.S. retail sales, and remember that U.S. consumers comprise 70% of our GDP. Those retail sales have shown some resiliency and good spend is still well above trends. The details show consumers responding to Delta variant spread by again, shifting spending towards those goods and then also online retailers. And from an employment perspective, the unemployment rate has worked down to 5.2%, which is positive. The big issue now is filling open jobs. We have 7 million more unemployed people versus the pre-pandemic economy well, over 10 million jobs remain unfilled. So employers are ready to pay and fill these jobs again, but people won't work in unless they have to, right? So overall, continue down a path to, I would say, normalization of economic conditions, but it hasn't been as straightforward as the previous few quarters. Got it. Okay. So a lot of moving parts there. Let's break that down. How, what have we seen in the equity markets? How have they been impacted? Equity markets continued their climb in the beginning of the third quarter, though September uh, has seen a bit of a drawdown in red across the board due to Delta variant and lowered growth expectations. We've seen a recent shift back to growth companies outperformance and more value-oriented companies such as, say, energy and financials lagging a bit. On the positive side, second quarter earnings have knocked it out of the park thus far. About 80 to 85% of companies have beat earnings per share estimates, and about 80 to 85% of those companies are also beating revenue estimates. On the negative side, 
since beginning of May, about 60% of S&P 500 constituents, so companies within the S&P 500, have seen a peak to trough or high to low decline of at least 10%, though the largest stock names out there have fought against any kind of big index correction. So we have seen a number of names pull back, but in that same time period, the S&P 500 has barely moved up or down by more than a percent each day. Throughout the quarter, we've maintained that it's important to have a high-level diversification and global exposure. For us, we've owned uh, high-quality stocks that can be an anchor during times of volatility, but also have opportunistic exposure to some of the more cyclical areas that are out there in recovery mode. Okay. So equities, let's transition and talk a little bit about bonds or fixed income assets. What did we see in Q3? Fixed income assets have been fairly flat in the third quarter. On one side, you've had economic and COVID uncertainty, which could cause a push towards bonds. But on the other hand, there's inflation worries, which are bad for fixed income. The the 10-year treasury has worked its way down to about 1.3%, which is about twice the yield it was a year ago. That rise has been driven by expectations of increased growth and inflation, partially due to stimulus coming into the economy and fears of runaway inflation, which could then push the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates quicker than initially anticipated. We've had our portfolios positioned with a much shorter duration or exposure to interest rate changes, which has helped them outperform in the rising rate environment we've seen. And then we've also added exposure to areas of the fixed income market that may outperform in a rising interest rate environment. So holding such as floating rate preferred stocks and active managers that can move quickly in this kind of environment. Okay. So preparing for some of this volatility and and moving through it. So that's what we saw in Q3. Let's talk about what's ahead. Talk to me about what you're seeing in the economy. What is the investment committee discussing these days? Of course. I would say we expect a reacceleration in activity as the Delta wave fades, but also expect growth to continue to be choppier going forward. As of late, there's been softening of recent economic news with non-farm payrolls falling compared to June and July levels. Growth estimates, as I mentioned, have been cut back to lower levels. We've had some large and important companies reporting warnings about the economy and supply chain dislocations are likely going to be an issue well into, if not through next year. Despite all of that though, we're still closer to the beginning of the business cycle than the end. And we expect to see growth with that pace to be determined depending on those supply chain constraints, uh, worker shortages, uh, vaccine effectiveness and COVID waves, and then tax and regulation changes. One of the big questions for our investment committee is inflation, which has now well surpassed the Federal Reserve's 2% target. The Federal Reserve believes that the pickup in US inflation will be transitory, meaning that it will abate as different imbalances in the economy correct as the economy reopens. So the Fed's attempting to look through supply constraints and price volatility. And right now, investors are giving them the benefit of the doubt. So that's 2021. In 2022 and beyond, we expect growth to moderate or or slow down to more normal levels and monetary policy to begin to tighten. But if supply issues continue to persist, some of the growth that we were expecting in 2021 could get pushed to 2022. And as an investment committee, we're watching inflation, we're watching interest rates, taxes, the impact of other regulation and politics on the economy. Uh, We're expecting an environment where we see higher government spending and higher taxes to fund that spending, 
though it's hard to say for certain what exactly those increases look like yet. Okay. So same question, equities. What are we seeing ahead with equities? We still remain constructive or, or positive on equities. Uh, a reacceleration activity and better than expected earnings should bode well for stocks. There's no shortage of headlines to worry about right now, of course. We've heard about a growth slowdown, uh, stagflation, which is high inflation and low growth. The big headline right now is Evergrande in China. Of course, there's COVID, the debt ceiling, tax changes, Fed taper, et cetera, all of those headlines. But most of those risks are priced in and stock multiples are back at post-pandemic lows for uh, many reopening and recovery trades. So we're positive with US markets up about 20% year to date. My expectations are a bit more tempered for going forward. We expected to see corporate profits hit new record highs in 2021. That's played out as the economy continues to return to normal. And with consumers extremely healthy financially, we remain overweight equities and portfolios. And then for me, as always, diversification remains key. We want to have exposure to US stocks, international stocks, growth stocks, value stocks, et cetera, as well as exposure to high quality stocks with strong cash flows and competitive advantages, as well as recovery holdings, such as the energy, the financials, the travels, those types of names. Okay, great. So slower growth in equities, but continuing to move forward. Let's talk about what we're seeing going forward with fixed income or bonds. Mm-hmm. The big thing in fixed income and bonds is going to be inflation. August inflation report was the fourth straight month of the year with headline CPI growth of plus 5%. Given that the Federal Reserve is likely to announce tapering plans in its November meeting, and we continue to expect rates will increase into year end. The Fed's plan is that tapering addresses the inflation, but any interest rate hikes right now would look very premature at this time. Eventually, the Federal Reserve may need to raise interest rates to curb down inflation, but we would expect interest rates to remain low for at least the next 12 to 18 months. In portfolios, we continue to maintain a shorter average duration or that exposure to interest rate change, which has benefited portfolios year to day. Okay. So you mentioned something about tapering. I want to kind of tease that out a little bit, talk about it some more. You talked about the Federal Reserve tapering. What is tapering? Why should people be paying attention to that or thinking about that at all? Yeah, that's a good question. And thanks for asking that. To keep interest rates low and thus stimulate the economy, the Federal Reserve has undertaken large-scale asset purchases, otherwise known as quantitative easing. Tapering is the gradual slowing of the pace of those purchases. It does not mean that the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates soon. It means that it's time to wind down what you could call the most extraordinary monetary policy in history. The problem for markets is not tapering itself, it's the timing. People are worried that tapering will come when the global economy is slowing and basically that the market's concerned that the Fed may take its foot off the accelerator at the wrong time. Overall, though, if the economy is healthy enough to support tapering, that's a good thing, and and it can help address the inflation worries. Okay, thank you. Something else you talked about is China. You mentioned some things with China. There's some big headlines going on there. Talk to me about what's going on there. Give me a little bit more of a feel for what you're thinking and what you're seeing. That is indeed the other big headline of late. Um, The Chinese government's taken some pretty aggressive regulatory crackdowns. Those crackdowns are now punishing the Chinese housing sector, 
which risks a spillover into consumer spending and thus economic growth in China. Essentially, Beijing is clamping down on housing prices and in some cases insisting on cuts. Chinese real estate in general is very overleveraged and Evergrande, one of China's largest property developers, is the most levered real estate company in the world. In China, home sales, retail sales, and industrial production are all on track to decline from recent highs in the third quarter, and investors are backing off given Beijing's agenda. We continue to monitor the situation, but do not see a broader global systemic risk at this time. The credit issue gets more contained the further you move away from Hong Kong, and we do not expect any significant spillover to US banks or or markets. Though, of course, we believe in diversifying internationally, we have pretty limited exposure to China and we've been overweight the US versus the rest of the world in portfolios. Okay, that's helpful. Tie this all together for me. I know we've talked about a number of things. Put a bow on this and and bring it home for our listeners. Mm -hmm. As I always like to say, there's always going to be an uncertainty when it comes to investing. We expect markets to be more of a grind at this point in the recovery. And it's important to remember that markets for looking, but this is still a young business cycle. You don't want to let your emotion cloud your judgment. You want to focus on your long-term planning. Continue to believe that timing the market's not a viable strategy and that we should continue to abide by predetermined strategic asset allocation and rebalancing approaches. And as always, new cash assets should be integrated by dollar cost averaging or phasing into long-term holdings. Wonderful. And for listeners who want to get a hold of you or anyone on the Synergy team, can you fill them in on how they can get a hold of us? Of course. Please reach out at hello at SynergyCapitalSolutions.com. Wonderful. And listeners, thank you so much. We love having this time to speak directly to you. If you do enjoy this content, please subscribe and share. And uh, we look forward to speaking with you again soon. As always, I'm your host, David Vallier, and I'm glad to be back on the air. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Your Financial Planet, the Synergize Your Capital podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Synergy Capital Solutions is a financial planning and investment management firm registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. Synergy Capital Solutions and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data or other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. 
The opinions expressed are solely those of Synergy Capital Solutions and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisors before establishing a retirement plan.